You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are so thankful for this opportunity. It's such a privilege to be here. We are part of the abiding class of O2 and thankful for those of you who are in the house. Um, just so thankful to Jesus to welcome us back. And how sweet is he, the theme of the week, abide and go. So whatever it is he's teaching you in your days at Asbury, he's faithful. He remains the same, right? So we're learning about abiding while we're on campus, going out in the world. It's the only way. It's the only way. And that's what we get to talk about this week is abiding in him, walking in step with his spirit. And I know there are people in the room that may be a bit anxious. You hear it's GCC week, you forgot and you walked in the room. Oh, no. What if the Lord calls me? So I just have a word for you today. We're looking at John 15, but John 15 comes in the context of John 13 to 15, which is Jesus's farewell address to his disciples. And it's so sweet. First, he starts not by giving instruction, but he starts by taking off his outer garment, tying it around his waist and washing his disciples' feet. So he doesn't say, good luck with that. He says, let me give you an example. He shows, he gives, he gives a model. So whatever you hear this week, he's already given a model. So he calls us each by name. Billy and I's story is gonna be so different than your story, but that's the sweetness of Jesus. He may talk to your heart and he may have a mission and a calling for you. So, but here's the other piece. So hang with me. John 14, one, and then 16.33, this, this discourse is like bracketed with peace. He speaks peace. So whatever else might be going on with, with the papers that you have, the realities that the week holds, the fears of being sent into the world, <laughs> that's not my responsibility for you. It's not your responsibility for you. But the one who is responsible for that speaks peace over us as we start the week together. And I just praise him for that. He's so kind, isn't he? He's not threatening. He's not cruel. He doesn't have a challenge up front. He has peace up front. His peace he gives to us. <clears throat> and so we welcome him to, to pour out his peace upon us as we learn and grow together. Um, Billy and I and our five children are going to be in the cafeteria throughout the week. Excuse me. We're going to be in the hiccup between all of those meetings that you saw. Um, so we'd love to actually meet with you and talk to you and not just be the talking heads up here, but actually get to know some of you and know how to pray for you um, and ask you to pray for us as we're still abiding and trusting and, and walking this journey. So we, we're excited to get to walk it together with you all this week. So from that bracket of peace, John 14 starts out, Jesus saying, I am in my father. And he talks about their intimacy and their oneness. And then he says, I'm in the spirit. We're also one. And that's the context that we come to John 15, where he says, and I want you to be in me. I want to be one with you as I'm one with the father, as the Trinity is this beautiful, relational, self-giving love. He invites us into that. So that's the good news of what we get to do. That's the good news of what we're learning about and talking about this week. One of my favorite Asbarians of all time, E. Stanley Jones said, an individual gospel without a social gospel is a soul without a body. And a social gospel without an individual gospel is a body without a soul. I think it's fitting to say today, one is a ghost, the other is a corpse. 
abiding is not possible. It's not possible to abide and not be sent. It's not possible to go and offer a cup of water without doing so in his name. It will not bear fruit. It will be worthless, like chaff. So the abiding and the going must happen in congruity. I want to share with you um, one illustration before Billy comes and opens the word for us. A good friend of ours, we've been uh, a trajectory set from this space to Uganda um, since 02. So we are officially old. But um, in Uganda, we have a very good friend. His name is Imam. And Billy and I moved to Arua, Uganda, the north of Uganda, in January of 2007. In January, those of you who know Uganda, is dry season up north. Very, very dry. So walking through our neighborhood with a good friend of mine who is the director of the YWAM base, um, we were praying together over the neighborhood. She was kind of making me familiar, and we were just praying over our neighbors and friends, and we met a guy on the road that she hadn't met before. He had this great smile, and he was completely open, and his name was Imam. So he, he was named by his family to be a leader in the Muslim religion, and Imam was so open and loving to us. And we continued to have relationship with him over the next few weeks, and Imam met Jesus. And Vicky was like, I need you to, to know Joanna's husband, because by the grace of Jesus, this is a man who abides in him. And Vicky knew that, and she was like, I want you to relate with Billy. So Billy started meeting with Imam regularly, discipling him, talking about what it looked like, what that poured out life might look like. And at the same time, Billy was learning about the tool of biblical orality or biblical storytelling. So he was learning what it looks like to learn the stories of scripture and to do um, inductive Bible study, basically, but in conversation. So without pen and paper and, and often without a book in the room, because of the limitations that that set in our cultural situation, but, but to study the Word of God. So Billy's learning about studying the Word also in relationship with Imam. So Imam's learning about studying the Word in this way. And Jesus keeps lighting fires in Imam's heart. And eventually, he was a chef. That was the part-time work he had up in Arua. But eventually, he got a better job down in the city and went back to Kampala. But he took this abiding fire that had come into his heart with him as he went back to the place God had welcomed him. And he started, as he got on the bus to go to Kampala, Aru is known for our fabric markets. Um, Congolese fabrics come over, and they're cheaper and more beautiful and amazing in Arua um, than other places in Uganda. And as Imam was getting on the bus, the Lord whispered to his heart, buy that fabric. That's kind of weird. I'm a chef. <laughs> I don't, I, why would I do that? But he didn't question. I would have had the discourse with the Lord in my head. Maybe you would have. Imam said, okay. He didn't have much in his pocket, but he gave all he had, and he bought this fabric. So he goes back to his, his neighborhood in Kampala and starts his work down there and keeps sharing these stories of scripture, keeps doing what he had seen modeled, keeps living this abiding, poured out, self-giving love kind of life. And all the young people in his neighborhood were drawn to them. And they started learning stories of scripture. And when they learned stories of scripture, when God worked in their hearts, they started sharing those with their friends, with their schools, with the churches around them. Imam had... Um, uniforms, so, so to speak, but, but beautiful shirts made for the choir that was formed. And they became a traveling team sharing Jesus around um, Uganda and throughout East Africa. And it was so amazing and beautiful to see how the Lord multiplied this one yes. It was one yes, one man who was open and who continued to listen and keep saying yes 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Imam couldn't have done that on his own. He wasn't trained in that as a young man. He was trained in something quite different. And yet the Holy Spirit kept prompting his heart and he kept saying yes. And um, the reality is just last, just a couple months ago, we were with Imam's extended family in a big family celebration. And there were all these young professionals around. And I was like, Billy, who are these, who are these people? Like, who's this crowd? Because when we'd been in them in the past, it, there had been the little kids of the choir. And it had been a few years. And this, these people were those children who had grown up and now were salt and light throughout Kampala, throughout the region, sharing Jesus in a multiplied way that was so beautiful and exciting. And again, your story will not be a mom's story. Jesus has words for you. He calls you by name, but he has a beautiful plan and a beautiful purpose as we abide in him and trust him what that looks like to be lived out. Billy, will you come and open the word? Good morning. It's a joy to be with you guys. I wish you guys could meet Imam. He's awesome. He's so much fun and he loves Jesus and he has tremendous faith. And it's fun to see how Jesus is using him as a force for good and for God in Uganda. So thank you, Joanna. Abide and go. And you've heard it, and we want to kind of dial in deep there and say there is in, there's no way you can separate life in and with God and missional being sent. They are inherently connected. And as Joanna said, if you go without God, it will ultimately have no eternal value. And if you seek to just know God with no going, it becomes a deformed, perverted self-interest. And God says, oh, no, no, no. I'm not looking for either of those. I'm looking for one who is willing to be sent out, but sent out and who offers me to a lost and dying world. I want to look at John 15, and today I want us to just look at that first, the first little bit of that passage. And I think it's relevant for what God's trying to say. I think it's relevant for what Asbury wants to, what God wants to say for Asbury um, this week. Now, I'd like to share it with you in just as kind of a story form, if you will. You be patient with me. But this comes from John 15, and it goes like this. I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Anyone who does not bear fruit is cut off, but anyone who bears fruit is pruned that he may bear more fruit. You are already pruned and purified because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not abide in me is cut off as a branch and withers. Such are gathered up into a pile to be burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will and it will be given to you. And so you will bear much fruit and glorify my Father, demonstrating that you are my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. I tell you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy 
may be full. This is my command, love one another just as I abide in my Father's love and obey His commands, so abide in my love and obey my commands. This is my command, love one another, for there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I ask you to do. For a master does not share with his servant. But I call you friends, for everything that the Father has made known to me, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit, (laughs) fruit that would last. These things, I tell you, ask my Father in my name, and he will give to you. And this is my command love one another. (laughs) Men and women, I love this passage because it opens up and what does Jesus do? What is the context or the imagery that he gives to his beloved disciples? It's the garden. Did you catch that? I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Some translations say the gardener. And right away, it's like Jesus is trying to almost clear away the debris. He reaches all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, and then he's pulling that into the conversation with his disciples, the most intimate conversation we have maybe in all of the Gospels. This is the night before Jesus dies, and he's not satisfied. He wants to remove any doubt of what God's intention is for his people. So he reaches where? To Genesis 1 and 2 and brings it right into the upper room. And he said, this is the context. This is what you were made for. He says, I made you. I made the first man and the first woman to live in intimate communion with me. Where we can be one. Where we can be in fellowship, dare I say, friendship. Not just because I have to love you, but because we like spending time together. Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, and He likes gardens. And you get that imagery. You get the vines, you get the fruit, you get the growth. All of that is the context for this passage. But then where does He go? And it's interesting, right away He goes to fruit. We can talk about abiding, we can talk about going, but Jesus is interested in fruit. Did you notice it? Abide in me and you will bear fruit. And apparently he's not just interested in little fruit. It's not just kind of like, oh, my feeble efforts and God will bless it. He doesn't want just small fruit. Apparently he's interested in big baskets full. Did you catch that? So that you may bear more fruit so that you may bear much fruit, so that you may bear fruit that will abide or remain. Jesus is looking for lives. He's looking for disciples that bear baskets of fruit. And I mean, it's a missions conference. We haven't gotten very far, but we might as well just go ahead and do a baseline check. Let me ask how that's going in your life. Does your life bear fruit? What kind of fruit? healthy, robust fruit. In Uganda, we used to get these amazing mangoes, (laughs) and they were delicious. Or jackfruit. You guys ever had jackfruit? Oh, man, it'll change your life. (laughs) Jackfruit are huge. They're ginormous. 
and uh, sticky as all get out and amazing. That's the kind of fruit God's looking for. Let me ask, you got any mangoes, jackfruit, being produced from the decisions you're making this season? Now, I want to just say, I wonder if there's two dangers here, and I wonder for some, it's like, Billy, the truth is I've got a plan. I'm going to graduate. I'm trying to get a job. I'm doing IT. I'm going to get a master's in education. I'm going to medical school. And the truth is, yeah, I've got a plan. And I know what fruit looks like. Fruit looks like getting a little money in my pocket, maybe getting married, maybe starting a family. I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to decide. I'd love to get a house. I'd like to get a nice, I know some friends, they go, all the, they go regularly to the beach. I'd like to get a job that pays me enough that I can spend more time at the beach. Or travel. I think traveling would be fun. And oftentimes what happens is we confuse fruit with comfort. And I don't think Jesus is going to let us get away with that. I'm not asking if your life is comfortable. I'm asking, is your life fruitful? Or it goes the other way. You say, Billy, I'm not that selfish. (laughs) No, it's not just about me. I want to serve. I want to speak to that too. Because there are some among us that you are the servant-hearted one. You are the leader. You're, I don't know if we still call them now, but the SLAs, the chaplain in your hall. You're the spiritual what? Guru among your friends. People look up to you. And the truth is, you've kind of accumulated this identity as a spiritual person. And now you've won a scholarship here. You're getting accepted across the street or some other place like that. And the truth is, you have accumulated a number of spiritual achievements or positions. And I wonder if this morning Jesus isn't talking to us and saying, I'm I'm not interested in fruit as, I'm not interested in comfort, and I'm also not interested, we say, excuse me, do not confuse fruit with comfort, do not confuse fruit with achievement. Even achievement in my name. Well, then you say, Billy, what what are you talking about? You want me to bear fruit? What does that look like? How do I do that? Oh, I'm so glad you ask. I'm so glad you ask. Because I think Jesus goes on. And I want to just speak to those in the room that inherit abiding or inherit fruitfulness as saying, I can't do anymore for Jesus. I don't get enough sleep as it is. I want to say, he's not asking you to work harder. That is a misunderstanding. The fruitfulness doesn't come from Billy. The fruitfulness comes as I am in relationship with Jesus. He is the one that bears fruit in and through the likes of me and you. Men and women, I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus wanting to do more, to bear more fruitfulness in your and through your life? Are you satisfied with the level of fruitfulness that your life is producing? You say, Billy, abiding is an old word. My translation says remain. I get it. I hear that. I'd like to reach back and pull abiding right back into our daily use because I think it's a beautiful word. What does it mean to abide? It means to remain, but it's not stationary. It's not this kind of static. It's not that. To abide is to make space for. It is to dwell within. Did you catch it in verse 9? Jesus kind of makes it very clear. As he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Amen and women. I wish I knew how to communicate this better. But did you get that? 
as the second person of the Trinity finds his life in the first person of the Trinity. So the second person of the Trinity is offering his life to the likes of you and me this morning. It's like God says, there is a space that I have opened up in my heart for you. And in the heart of God, in the incredible heart of God, there is space for you. Yes, even you. And the truth is, if we're going to go much further this morning, we've got to get this established. Some of us don't believe that. There's space in the heart of God for that one and that one, but not for me. And I want to call you out this morning. I want to say you're, missing, you're misinformed. There is space in the heart of God for you. The question for us is, are we going to create space in our lives for him? Because abiding goes both ways. It's that beautiful word, perichoresis. It's where I enter into God and God enters into me. I don't become God. Don't misunderstand me. But he enters into my life and he invites my life up into his life. That is what it means to abide. I was trying to figure out how do I communicate this more clearly? I wonder if for many of us, we're afraid to abide because we don't feel safe with him. I know when Jesus first asked me, would you give me your whole heart? My honest answer was no. And you want to know why? Because I didn't trust him. I didn't feel safe with him. Do you feel safe with Jesus this morning? Because that might be the issue that we need to go after before we can get any further down the road. I was trying to figure out how do, we, how do we talk about this more clearly and what came to my mind as I woke up this morning, I was thinking about the language that Joanna was using, openness. To be a human person is to be in a network of relationships, to be in a web of relationships. And we do this all the time. We're not particularly, to be a person is to be, and I want to figure out how to say this better. To be a person is to be in relationship. But the degree that I am in a relationship with someone else is the degree to how open I am to them. You say, Billy, what do you mean by that? You and I are not particularly open to folks out on the street. There's a degree of openness to your professors. There's there's more of an openness to your friends, your roommates. There's a greater degree of openness to your girlfriend. It's been fun being on campus, watching some of you guys. It's like, oh, you're very open to each other. That's, That's what it means. You've created space in your heart for the other one. And this morning, God's saying, before we can get any further down the road, talking about missions, Jesus is asking you and I this morning, would we be willing to create space to open up our heart to him? Men and women, there's a vulnerability that comes with openness. And some of you say, Billy, I want to be open, but I'm afraid. I think a good place to start is right there. I'm going to open up the altar this morning. If you want to come down and just tell Jesus, Jesus, I sense you talking to my heart. I want to receive your love, but I'm afraid of you. God can work with that. God can work with honest fear. What would it look like to receive the love of Jesus this morning? Practically. You say, Billy, how do I do that? Maybe start by just saying, I choose to be open to you as much as I know how. 
Did you catch it in John in, uh, in that passage? He says, if I abide in you and my word, if, if I abide in you and my word abides in you. This week, I challenge you, be in the word. I don't know if you guys do version. version is kind of my go-to audio Bible app. It's worth it. It's a free download, version. And uh, I challenge you, listen to John 13 to 17 this week. Just put it on repeat. Just play it as you're going up to the loose. Abide in his word. What would it look like for you to receive the love of Jesus, to open up your heart, maybe in ways you haven't before? You say, and I want to suggest maybe one more here. It may be that you need to be honest and say, Jesus, if you'll open up your heart to me, I'll reciprocate, but I need to see you start. Put the monkey on Jesus' back and invite him to speak clearly, specifically to you. Men and women, the altar's open. If you want to come this morning and receive the life of God in a fresh way, maybe perhaps for the first time, or maybe you realize there's some part of me that is closed become of some, because of some pain or woundedness, and you realize that before we can go any further, before we can talk about things like full surrender, before we can talk about missions and what it means to love our neighbor, we need God to help pry some part of our heart so that he can love it as only he can.
I think that's some of the openness. But he's very gracious, as Joanna said, and he never, he never's pushy, and he'll wait for your invitation. Are you open to him this morning? Do you abide in him this morning? I think that's the beginning of where the fruitfulness begins.